0: Talk to an Artist is part of 723 Ministries at Lover's Lane United Methodist Church. To support our continued work in West Dallas, text LLUMC to 77977 and designate the funds as 723 Ministries. Thank you for helping us continue this important work. As well, welcome to our show, Talk to an Artist, where each week we get to get to know artists that have participated in our uh, art distillery program and art cultivation, and I've been part of our community for a relatively long time, and so I'm super excited this week to get to talk to Rafiq Saleh Flowers. Um, thank Hello, you so everyone. much for joining me. Yeah. Oh,
1: of course. This is yeah. awesome. I'm so glad that you invited me.
0: Of course. Um, so Rafiq, you've performed at lots of the art cultivations, almost every single one that I've been to, at least.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's, it started with just you know we tried the first one, and for some reason um, it was kind of a Malay dance, and I was mm. just me, and and of course I told Lucila and I said I do drag too, and of course she's like, oh, can you do the next one? And then, yeah. and then it's like, can you just stay through the whole year? So I'm like, okay.
0: Yeah. So you've been at every single Markel um, page performed, and so you may know Rafik as Dita, our wonderful yes. resident uh, resident drag queen. He does beautiful performances, and you create all your own costumes. Is that correct? Yes.
1: Oh yeah. So so I I I like to kind of like have a theme. Like I'm, I'm sure, like you know, when when they created every show. not really specific theme but you know they try to apply something and so i tried first to think of a music like what i want to sing you know Mm -hmm. like what i want to lip sync and with that music it resonates to um the color of the costume or the theme and it kind of like has a flow so everything is very well curated so like like the dance and how i move and i try to pick uh culture that mostly Southeast Asian and sometimes mm-hmm. um, Hispanic just because there's a lot of influence in Southeast Asia with you know Portuguese in Spain in the early 1500s and 1600s so those are more like my kind of style I mean I yeah. particularly uh, lean towards the Japanese just because mm-hmm. I love their culture it's very like back toe box It's very compartmentalized like everything yeah. has its own section So that's so awesome. that's how it started yeah
0: yeah, so that's super cool. So, so I'm super excited to have you on this show. So Thank you. Um, why don't you tell people who haven't necessarily been able to go to art cults or don't, you know, haven't got a chance to get to know you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: So <clears throat> I'm originally from Singapore, uh, born and raised, and I moved here in 1998. So I've been here 22 years. Um, I met my partner at that time, and he's now my husband. Uh, we've been together 24 years. So I came here as a student, uh, went to the Art Institute and I graduate with a visual communications, kind of like a merged between graphic design and marketing. And then I worked for, I think, eight years with an agency and then started my own uh, business with design and opened a bubble tea shop right by Galleria. And did that for three years and then do a lot of volunteer work with immigration equality, uh, a lot of uh, immigration uh, work Uh, my husband at that time also um, worked with the uh, uh, immigration uh, related to asylum and and refugees but mostly asylum so Mm -hmm. I kind of like thought at that time you know when you're on a work visa you can't really work outside your job that you are currently so I always want to like do art but like I can't sell a painting because you know that's outside the scope so I decided to like donate all my painting to the nonprofit. And so we'll have an art show, they will provide the venue, they'll do all the invitation, get all the guests. And then all I did was we do a fundraising uh, some sort of a silent auction. So the first year we did at the, um, where's that, um, lost right there by the police station um, in the, uh, the South and Lamar. South Lamar. <laughs> so I did a tapestry uh, artwork. And so that's where kind of like I hand painted them and we did like $11,000 we raised for that nonprofit. And then the following year, I did a hand-painted kimono. Like I would buy plain silk and paint them and dye it. And then we did like 12 pieces. And I got some friends to kind of partake with that exhibit. And they did raku, which is a pottery, Japanese-style kind of throwing. And we raised about $38,000 the, the second year. And so it kind of like got me into like, ooh, I need to start making costumes because I have this sewing machine that's just sitting there. So I started learning how to make a shirt first. And then next thing I know, like my husband took me to Joe Wen's about the patterns and I'm making jackets and things like that. And I don't know how I got into the drag thing. I think it mm. started when we went to a bar on Oaklawn and mm. we did I saw a drag performance. But I mean I've seen drag shows before at the Rose Room when I first moved here. Um, But it wasn't like, it was so different because we don't have that culture in Singapore where like Mm -hmm. there's a drag show, um, particularly because uh, homosexuality and and that type of things is unnatural offense in Singapore. So you can go to prison for being gay or or, uh, or even like fine or go to prison or even caned. And so never really kind of like partake or kind of like be involved in that type of community, but I've seen some. And so I've always like, oh, I want to try that, you know, like just Mm -hmm. to see it. And so one of the drag queen at that time that I saw the show at the bar and she's like, oh, he, she um, invited me and say, you want to try one? I said, okay. And so I did uh, an Indian Bollywood performance and I had took me like three days to memorize this Hindi Bollywood song that I don't even speak any Hindi at all. So memorize, you know, repeat it and, you know, I want to make sure, like, my lipstick is on point, and, and I made the sari, I made the hairdress and everything, and that was so much fun, and I enjoyed it, just making the stuff, right, and, of course, you know, finding the right music, and then when I performed, it was it was fun, but at the same time, it wasn't really a performance, because the culture was more about, like, you just lip-sync, you know, you don't do much of dancing, and then people give you the money, right, because you want to raise uh, money for a non-profit, so I never really get to, like, Express myself because it's all like just getting the money. You get interrupted a lot, and so when fast forward like um, last year, you know when Lucila say, "Hey, we have this platform where you can do your performance, whatever you want to do." And so when I did the Malay dance first, you know I wasn't like in tune with my. I mean, I can do the Malay dance, um but it wasn't like something I feel like is artistically in me. And so when I did the the drag. First one, I did a Japanese kimono with a headdress and everybody was like in awe because they never seen anything like that. And the music I use uh, a merge of Japanese and kind of like indie, like I did uh, Creep from Radiohead cover. So it was yeah. like so different. Like And, and even the, the words itself, you know, like, I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. It, it almost feels like I'm a drag queen, but I don't fit in the drag queen culture because yeah. they are typical, you know, like big wigs. Uh, yeah. Uh, glittery costumes and all that I'm more like this very uh, muted very understated but still like big hair pieces and and really like very culturally inspired costume and so it felt like i belong there in some way you know that's so, so cool so so back and forth like between between thinking of like drag i mean i've done drag before to raise funds um from 2011 to 2015, Mm -hmm. but I never liked the fact that um, it was, um, I have to look like a woman, you know, like Mm. wear a wig, wear a dress, wear a bra, and I feel like, Mm -hmm. but that's not me. Like, I don't want to be confined as a drag queen in that. I want to be more artistically like a a female uh, impersonator performer. Yeah. So calling me a drag queen Won't be like something Like that mm-hmm. would be my label mm-hmm. I'm more like a, maybe a Gender-bending queer artist in some way Yeah So it's it's like like The last performance I did in March I mean, so, yeah, it was early March, right? No, February um, yeah. Yeah. It was so much fun Because I did this Japanese uh, uh, Shin, Shinto Kind of like male warrior costume mm-hmm. Even though I had makeup on and it has this umbrella and I was doing Rihanna umbrella and I did this really crazy movement and it was so much fun because I didn't have to look like a woman and I don't have to look like a man you know it's like I can be whatever I think that was the fun of it
0: yeah Yeah, I will say I I, your performances are always so there's such beauty to them and this like sense of kind of refinement and just real it's it's like nothing i've ever seen before so i'm I'm so thankful you found kind of your like your voice yeah in performance um so you know you create your own costumes and your own performances so what's been the most difficult aspect of kind of creating and performing these you know new pieces that are that are your like your child you created this you know yourself so what's been what's been the most challenging part of that
1: so i think the hard part is always finding the, the right music mm-hmm. and then the right tone. Because sometimes some music, it's either too upbeat, you know, too kind of like mainstream. And then if I find a really cool one, is it too slow? It's going to like, that doesn't really get people fired up if you perform. It's like, oh my God, can he wrap this up already? You know, like, and so I have to find that right, like right song, right beat, uh, right feel. And then when I, when I found something, then I go, oh I could do this costume or I could do this costume. Let's say for example with the one I did last time with Rihanna Mm -hmm. right and when I first I heard it was like a cover uh, of Rihanna uh, umbrella and not the traditional uh, Rihanna and so I thought um, what would be a really cool costume that would fit that Mm sound? and I thought oh maybe a Japanese culture because Uh, most of the geisha always carry an umbrella but then I go I don't want to wear another kimono I thought Mm -hmm. ooh, maybe more of the male warrior and so I did that kind of like white um, shield uh, vest looking thing but it's Mm -hmm. like so structured but also has the kind of feminine figure to it Mm -hmm. and this skirt but it's also like it's uh, universal it's not the male or female inspired and then I had this umbrella hat with that white umbrella so it really fits all that together in some way, you know. Because I was, I was always going back and forth putting a Bollywood song, mm-hmm. like Hindi, or my culture, the Malay song, or Indonesian, or Japanese. So mm-hmm. around those region, I've tried like finding K-pop, Korean uh, type of music, mm-hmm. but it's just um, it doesn't fit with the environment that people come to um, Artillery um, mm-hmm. because the very avant-garde people right so you want to be so different you know you don't want to be like this mainstream k-pop hip-hop you know because i let other drag queens do that
0: (laughs) that's fantastic yeah Yeah, that's that's a great description of what you do and it's so thank you for letting us into kind of your process of creating something um so you've performed uh for the past year at art cultivation so so Mm -hmm. far what has been your favorite piece that you've performed and why is it your favorite?
1: Hmm. I think every performance is so different mm. and so unique. Like, I can't really pick one. Yeah. But the last one that I did with the umbrella, mm. what makes it so special was because the previous All Drag show, I had these huge hairdressers. I did the, um, you know, the Lady Guadalupe, like the spots yeah. of gold and all black dress, and I did a Hallelujah, and then I did a Malay one, a Malaysian Mm -hmm. dance, and I did um, the Dia de los Muertos, you know, like with the flowers, but those are all like just very subtle movements, right, everything's Mm -hmm. all lip syncing and moving, never really expressed myself, so Mm -hmm. my husband's like, you need to go extra, like go big and go crazy, and so and usually I never drink before I perform just because mm-hmm. I don't like to like forget my words. Right. And so for some reason, that one, the last one, I was like, I'm going to have me a glass of wine and just yeah. whatever, and then just dance. And so the moment I got on that stage, I'm like, don't take, just dance. And I did. And I was like, just dance. And I think we had a t- standing ovation because nobody really saw me perform that, that out there. You know, it's always mm-hmm. very subtle movements, very soft, very mellow. So it was very different. And I think I'm trying to get more of that niche. It's just finding the rap music again to kind of like explore that.
0: Yeah. Well, what a cool, I'm so thankful for Art Cultivation in so many ways that it allows artists to like find their voice and find what, you know, learning to express yourself. And so the, you know, you've kind of had a year of evolution almost Mm -hmm. in your own
1: art. And also, too, like, they, they always kind of, like, be very, um, they're very malleable in terms of mm-hmm. how it how in uh, uh, the run of show, right? Before, I was, like, number four or, you know, after the uh, second break. And then they go, okay, well, how about you do the opening and then you come back mm-hmm. and then do the first one? Because um, I brought up to, like, um, one of the producers and I said, you know, it's nice that I can just go out there and, like, mingle and people take photos. But the thing is I don't wanna be out there up front if you put me on the fourth or after the first um uh, break because then, you know, like they're missing that um that that surprise, right? So if I'm already out first then I can start hanging out with the crowd, take pictures during the break, that kind of stuff. So because the costume is so different and I I make them from scratch, you know, nothing was like bought, like I mean every ribbons and every, you know, like ruffles, all is made, you know, so
0: yeah. Yeah, the element of surprise I think is also a great part of like your performance as you come yeah. out in these beautiful costumes and everyone just kind of is like, Oh my gosh.
1: And also and also too, you know, thank to thanks to the lighting guys. I mean, yeah. they did amazing. I think having the rehearsal helps because you mm-hmm. know then they know like what are you wearing? Okay, what the lighting do you want? How are you okay. gonna get on the stage and from the stage and kind of stuff? So mm-hmm. I think that really helps set the ambiance. Yeah. Because if we don't have those, then it just feels like we just throw things together. So mm-hmm. somehow it has that kind of a, a a step up of being professional, but we're not mm-hmm. there yet to a like at the symphony kind of thing, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I got to do your uh, lighting for the for the February show, the El Bella oh, yeah, one. Was and that was
1: amazing.
0: That was my <laughs> favorite. I've never been able to do that and like have the just the freedom to kind of do the
1: lights. Like, oh, it was so much fun. And I was glowing. Like, I think I yeah. had it. Like the purple color so Mm -hmm. all the whites just kind of glow it was so beautiful yeah
0: that was I'm not like a lighting person but like (laughs) the opportunity to light you was one of my favorite experiences our cultivation yeah Yeah. so um you know we've talked about kind of creation and you know create and making things and creating pieces and you talked about music a little bit so I wonder you know is it music that inspires you to create or do you find um, inspiration from other aspects of life and you bring it into your performances or is it really like you hear this piece and you go oh that's what I want to make and that's what I want to do so what inspires you to kind of create?
1: I think it's a mix of everything and mm-hmm. and of course you know, the most important thing is um, I love to travel me and my husband <coughs> love to travel every year I always make a point to kind of travel anywhere uh, around the world you know like we make a, a country and we go like let's explore the culture let's explore the food and so from there, you know, like, I get to see the traditional, um, the cultural aspect of uh, the costume, I mean, not costume, like, their heritage and what they wear, and so that inspires me to go, oh, I want to do something like that, and then I try to find the music to kind of do that, and then if it doesn't, like, fit, and I go, okay, don't worry about that, you know, let's skip it, so when I was, uh, when we were in Tokyo a few years back, I, I just love how their culture is very, um, there's so many protocols. Like mm-hmm. you only do this, and then the woman does this, the man does this. Everything has, has its place, mm-hmm. and so it's very structured and very um, internalized. Nothing's like, it doesn't have this individualistic aspect to it, and mm-hmm. so I'm very fascinated with that. And also the, the theory behind what they do is is almost a mastery of of like making tea. They master it. Yeah. Making pottery, they master that. So it's it's learning to be at the moment in what you do, whether it's cooking, uh, cleaning, you know, everything has a Zen piece to it. So so I was very fascinated with that culture. And when we toured the castle, the garden, uh, the palace, and we produced, I saw this exhibit of the kimonos and I think that was inspired, you know, it's like, Oh, I always want to learn how to make a kimono. And so I got home. I'm like, I'm going to cut this. I'm going to hand paint them and I'm going to dye it and then mm-hmm. figure it out. And then if, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, I'll try it again. So I think that kind of keeps me going. And then from then, I, it makes me think, what would I do with this? And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, maybe I can wear it and perform, you know, yeah. or or give it away. So it always mm-hmm. have something of a, a, a follow through of that rather than mm-hmm. just make something and go, okay, what do we do with what do we do with this then, you know? So travel inspires me a lot. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube videos for some reason, (laughs) and it's random, you know? It could be like a person building a house, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, tiny homes, or a person fixing a sink, you know, like anything like that could just, or even like runaway shows, you know, like I see Mm -hmm. fashion shows, like, ooh, I like that jacket. I want to to make that, you know? So, by by watching things, by Mm -hmm. going out, uh, being involved in um, volunteer work, you know, those things Mm -hmm. inspire me because you listen to people's stories, uh, you meet people, you know, everything has some sort of a connection. So I think that's where it helps me put those things together and how I connect with other people Mm -hmm. in what I bring to myself in terms of inspiring myself.
0: That's so cool. I love that travel inspires you because I'm like a big traveler myself. And so being in the stay at home thing has been really like <sighs> my style. Yes. So, um, you know, we're all stuck at home and we're all mm-hmm. in here in this quarantine together. So during this time, you know, is there a book or a film or a YouTube video that you could mm-hmm. recommend for people to read or watch during this stay at home order that you think would inspire them or you know whatever why you would want the, and why would you want them to watch that or read that
1: so i like um i mean of course you know we're all binge watch right you know whether it's yeah. netflix so prime uh amazon prime yeah one thing i really enjoy is uh, documentaries you know because mm. i think it gives a window of uh, us to see what um what people are going through, whether it's a autobiography, whether it could be immigration situation, or or even like the based on a true story with uh, Brian Stevenson, where you know he helped men who's been incarcerated in prison for for wrong um, wrongful arrest or you know imprisonment, and so when I mean last year we did a road trip to Alabama Montgomery to really understand um, mm-hmm. uh, with the Justice Peace Museum that they opened mm-hmm. I mean with the whole lynching uh, history of lynching and how it kind of like moved into legalized lynching which is going on right now um, and and how the history of black men after the years are, is systemic that, that they have been targeted uh, all their life since they brought here in the United States and so it gives me a perspective to really like how their story is being told and how do I take that in and not make that is my issue, but more like being, being more, um, understanding is not the word. It's, it's mm-hmm. more like how do you make it relatable to you that you try to empathize. Yeah. Because, because I think, you know, when people say, I understand. No, you don't. Nobody understands. Mm-hmm anybody because all our circumstances are very different so it's about how we empathize and 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 learn and have a dialogue with that you know so so by reading and really watching those those documentaries helped me kind of like get through like how do I see a Hispanic woman deal with her life or um or Iranian woman who who has been emigrated here as a refugee those things kind of like give me a sense of Where I'm at in my life and how grateful I should be, um, and how much I should do to help out there, you know.
0: Yeah, that's a good word.
1: So documentaries is very important, and of course I do read, but I don't read that much just because I'm more of a, I watch and see, and I Mm -hmm. can can learn faster than trying to read. But I do, you know, I joined a book club years ago. It's just hard because. people pick books that I'm like, I don't want to read that, but you know, you have to <laughs> yeah. read it. And then mm-hmm. you go, okay. Like, for example, one of them picked the, the, I think it's the, not very cool of the uh, Seven Pillars of Wisdom, which is the Lawrence mm-hmm. of Arabia. And I'm like, oh my God, this was so archaic. I have to have a thesaurus next to me. Every time I read this sentence, I'm like, I'm not understanding it. So it's like, it's too much.
0: <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, that's why I always say, like, book or movie, because I know some people are like, man, I'm not a fan of reading, I'm not into it, I'm not going to do it, so, um, but the documentary suggestion, I think, is a great idea. I know last night, we watched, I I made my parents watch The 13th um,
1: on Netflix. Yeah, we're about to start that one, so.
0: Yeah, and it's, I mean, it is powerful, and just talks about, you know, you talked about the systemic racism and lynching, it's now, like, mm-hmm. been legalized in, in ways, and in how um, you know, slavery just evolves and it talks a lot about that. So it's very, very interesting.
1: And um, not only that, I mean, it also yeah. kind of like sips into the poverty, the systemic mm-hmm. poverty. It's like we have never given people opportunity. So it becomes this pressure and yeah. oppression of like, you just stay down there and, and, yeah. and I think we need to, you know, like equality and this just that right. speaking out and stand out. Mm-hmm. We need to give everybody the equal opportunity.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um so, kind of with that in mind, this is the question that you haven't prepared for, but I ask everybody um and the question is if you could broadcast one sentence or two um to the whole world and everyone would kind of receive it and soak it in and really take it to heart, what would your message be?
1: Mm, that's a lot of them, but I I think, know <laughs> I think this is probably one that that I have kind of picked up last year or like really thought about it was we need to learn to empathize and be kind because people are always going through something whether it's financially physically mentally um, anything that relates to them we forget that other people are going through twice or three times more than we do and so every time when you connect with someone or have some sort of a social um, uh, engagement you always have to kind of like think this person must be going through something, Mm -hmm. you know? So we have to always question that because if we don't, then we just become, you know, the world of narcissism, you know, because Mm -hmm. everything's already like me, 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 you know, like Facebook, it's about me, Instagram, look at me, I'm, I'm doing this, you know? So we never like, Oh, nobody's showing their true self in the background where Mm -hmm. they're having trouble just putting gas in the the tank Mm -hmm. to drive to work or just or to school, or can't pay tuition. I mean, there's a lot of things that people are going through. So, so I think that's, that's probably cute. my sentence is learn to empathize and know that people are always going through something, and how we can reach out and help.
0: That's a good word. Empathy, I think, is very much needed right now in our in our country and society. So, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you making time and getting to have this conversation and get to get to
1: know you a little bit more yes of course I mean this yeah. has been fun and and I like that you guys are doing this and I think it it matters especially now that we are in still at stay home mm-hmm. so putting content that is really good out there you know will make people listen and maybe you know they learn something out of this
0: yeah for sure so hopefully hopefully everyone gets to kind of learn and be inspired and from you know your work that you're doing so thank, thank you, you so much yeah thank you for being here